Uh, last week, uh, the last three weeks, we've been talking about the resurrection, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, uh, the gospel, as we have talked about it. And three boxes on this stage, each representing one aspect of that. The red box representing the cross and the death of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross for us. Um, the black box representing his burial and the yellow box representing the resurrection. And um, I was going to end it there and then I got to thinking, you know, I, I want to do the, 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 the postscript. I want to do the PS um, on it. And I want to go one, a few days past the resurrection. Because there's a couple of stories in there for us that I think will help us. Um, and, and I want to focus on one of them this morning. We have been looking at Luke's account of the gospel of Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so I want to keep that story going just a little bit because there's an interesting story about the two men on the road to Emmaus. And there's some great truths in there that will help us as, as I think as we head into our lives after Easter, if you will. So with that in mind, uh, Luke uh, chapter 24, and um, here's what it says. It says, now behold... Two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus. Now, we have two people. We're going to learn a little bit. One of the names was Cleophas. Um, Two people are walking uh, away from Jerusalem, going to Emmaus. And it says it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So um, I I tried to think of what's seven miles from here. Uh, The Bronson turnoff, how far? How far is the Bronson turnoff from here? Huh? Be, that'd be pretty close, wouldn't it? So about from here to the Bronson turnoff, if you're heading up to Mulville, um, something probably pretty close to that. Um, so they're, they're, they're making that journey from Jerusalem. Um, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. So as these, and, and by the way, you need to understand, in this culture, that's kind of what you did. You would walk along, and, and, and usually you walked in at least pairs because it was safer, um, and often what would happen is people would join you as you're walking. So then you'd pick up the conversation. You know, it's kind of like um, um, my wife and I, when we were, when we were in Arizona, uh, you know, we, we ended up getting on a Jeep ride with two other couples. And, and we're just kind of finding out a little bit about them. You know, one couple was from Georgia and the other couple was from New York and just kind of talking chit-chat stuff. Um, we actually got to take a, a helicopter ride um, over Grand Canyon, and we ended up with three Australians. Uh, and uh, so we got, to, we got to spend probably about half hour with them before the flight and just talking and getting to know them. It's hilarious because they were, they were saying they get, um, they get nine weeks of holiday a year. Yeah, that's what they were saying, and that's what we were saying. We are saying, you've got to be kidding me. They're like, no, we're just running all over America. Uh, but uh, anyway, so, you know, you just kind of talk those kind of conversations and when you're stuck together. And so as you're walking along, it's not uncommon for somebody to join you or for you to join somebody else and just start up conversation. And that's what happens. It says, so it was while they conversed in reason. So all of this stuff has happened at Jerusalem. These two guys are walking along and they're talking about what, you know, what they saw and Jesus and, and his death and what it was all about. Notice what it says. And, it, and that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So as they're walking along, Jesus comes up. Okay, And he's like, hey, can I walk with you? Now, again, you're going to see as this story unfolds, these people knew Jesus. Okay, 
They knew a lot about Jesus. But notice what the text says. Their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. So in some form, God kind of makes it so they don't know it's Jesus, kind of like the story in the, with Jesus as a gardener. You know, She didn't know it was Jesus until he spoke. And you're going to see the point at which these people recognize with Jesus, which I think is incredibly significant for us. But so what happens is they don't know him. Okay, so they're walking along. Jesus joins them. Um, and I, again, I think it's important to understand this. A couple of things. Number one, Jesus comes and joins them. Okay, that's important. They're going about their world, doing their thing, heading to Emmaus. Jesus is the one who comes alongside of them. Um, and uh, the, the, the second idea is they don't know it's Jesus. Okay? And, and I think there's a truth in there. We'll talk about it at the end here. I think there's a truth in there that often God's involved in our lives and we don't know it. We don't recognize it. We don't see it. But he's there. Okay? And so, anyway, so the story goes on. Um, and he said to them, I love this. God has an incredible sense of humor. I love this. He says, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is it that you have for one another as you walk and are sad? Jesus hears them talking about what has just happened at Jerusalem to him. And Jesus asks, what is it you guys are talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And listen to what they say. Then the one whose name was Cleophas answered and said unto him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened in these days? In other words, he looks at Jesus and goes, Are you new here? Do you have any clue? Where have you been? Has your head been stuck in the sand for the last week? You've got to be a stranger because everybody in Jerusalem knows what just happened. I mean... You know, and I love this. You're looking at Jesus and asking him if he's the stranger and if he even could comprehend how in the world. It's like, how in the world can you not know what just happened? Um, And notice what it said. Um, And have you not, uh, which happened in these days, and he said unto them, what things? So Jesus looks at him and he goes, what are you talking about? What things happen? Okay. Because why? Because now Jesus is going to give them a chance to tell their story about what they saw. And notice what it goes on to say. Um, So they said unto him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned. So these guys must have been Jewish, because he says our chief priests and our rulers delivered them to be condemned to death and crucified him. But he was, but we, notice this, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Instead, beside all this today, it is the third day since these things happened. So he said, so it's been a while since all of this happened. So we're assuming this is like really close to the resurrection. Day or so afterwards, maybe, depending on how you read it, three days at the most. But he sits there and he goes, they they say, this is what happened. Our rulers delivered him. And This is important. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. In other words, what they're saying is, our our world just got shattered. We thought it was going to play out this way, and it it didn't play out this way. Going on, notice what he's saying. 
Wasn't this whole suffering thing part of the package? And then notice what it says. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in the scriptures all the things concerning himself. So now as they're walking along to Emmaus, Jesus is going through and giving them a Bible 101 lesson from Moses all the way to Jesus. And he's talking about, well, you know, what about this? And that was not uncommon to have those kinds of, of discussions. And so they're walking along and they're walking along and they're having this discussion and they're having this discussion and they keep getting more and more involved in it. And Jesus just keeps telling them more and more stuff. And then notice what happens next. Um, it going on, guys. And then they drew near to the village where they were going. So they start to get close to where they're going to stop. And he indicated that it would have gone farther. So Jesus, is, is, he's just walked along. And they've, they've been having this discussion, and Jesus is teaching them, and Jesus is teaching them, and they go, hey, look, this is, you know, we're here, we're getting ready to go, and then get ready to shake hands and say goodbye. And they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it's, it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. In other words, Jesus, will you come with us? Look, you, look there's no reason to keep walking all night long. You know, so why don't you just spend the night with us and then you can get a fresh start in the morning? They wanted more time with Jesus. And they didn't know it was Jesus. Again, you got to remember this. They don't know it's Jesus yet. All they know is this guy's fascinating. This guy knows a lot of Old Testament. We enjoy listening to this guy. And we want this guy to now come with us so we get a little bit more time with him. And notice what Jesus does. It says he went in to stay with him. See, when they invited Jesus in, Jesus went, okay, I want to spend time with you. That's my whole goal. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Notice what's next. And the story goes on. Now it came to pass, as they sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave to them. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. Um, all of a sudden now, and this is what's so fascinating, when Jesus breaks bread, it all clicks. I'm going to suggest that they either knew the story of the Last Supper, or they may have even been there. Um, because there's something significant about the way Jesus did this, and the timing of this, that as they broke bread, I mean, can you imagine... When all of a sudden Jesus starts praying, and then it's like, whoa, 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 I've heard this before. And these guys, like I say, these guys were intimately involved in this whole story. And so, notice what it says, and they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? He said, you know, we knew there was something different. We didn't know what it was, but we knew there was something different about this guy. Notice what happened next. The story goes on. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now remember what I said? It was late at night. They had told Jesus, look, you don't want to travel during the night. You want to stay with us, get a good rest, and we'll get going. you can get going in the morning. But after this event, they decide we got to go back to Jerusalem and tell the disciples. And notice what it says. Um, and they, go, they returned to Jerusalem, they found the eleven, and those who were gathered together, saying, and here's where we get our phrase for Easter, by the way, the Lord is risen indeed. 
and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And they look at these disciples and they say, again, so they must have traveled all night. They get there. They get with the disciples and they go, you are not going to believe this. He is risen. We have seen him. We got to talk to him. We got to eat with him. He's alive, guys. He's alive. And then if you keep going in the story, we're not we're going to end it here this morning, but if you keep going in the story, then Jesus comes and appears to the disciples. Um, and even then, they have a hard time believing it, and Jesus has got to look at them and go, hey, guys, I'm real. I'm real. Watch me eat. Touch my hands. Touch my body. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a figment of your imagination. I'm real. And I'm alive. Um, so as you, as you walk through it, that's, that's the story. A um, couple of things for us today. And, th- and this, is where, this is where I just want to, I, I think it helps us. One of the first things that you see as we, as we talk about this story is this idea that God wants to be with us. God wants a relationship. Um, what's interesting to me is, and, and this is the thing, in this story, Jesus doesn't force himself into their lives. I mean, Jesus could have, they're walking along the road, Jesus could have walked up and said, hey, it's me, I'm alive. Go back and tell the disciples. He doesn't do that. He doesn't force himself into their lives. What does he do? He walks alongside of them. <clears throat> and he walks alongside of them in their journey. You see that? Jesus wasn't like, okay, hey, guys, look, you know what? I know you're going to go to Emmaus, but I don't want you to go to Emmaus. I want you to go back, and you go tell the disciples all about uh, the fact that you saw me so we can get this thing moving along. Jesus lets them go in their journey along the way, and Jesus is with them the whole time, but they don't see him. And that's an important part of the story, because you need to understand And for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Christ, we can look back on our lives and we can see how God led us to the point of coming to understand. I can look back at my life and I can see the different steps involved where God was with me. I didn't know it at the time, but I can see how God led me to this and that that, that person and this situation and the timing here and there. And and that's so important for us to understand because remember, these guys are discouraged. These guys are ready. These guys are, these guys are confused. They're walking along going, you know, I don't understand why it happened the way it happened because it wasn't supposed to happen that way. He was going to be the, the redeemer of Israel. He's the one that was going to be in charge. And, and, and he died. And, and we, we heard about him being resurrected and there was hope, but nobody's seen him now. And we don't know if the, <clears throat> we don't know if the women had their story right or what. And they're confused and they're like, well, I don't know what else to do. Let's just go back to Emmaus and figure out what we're going to do next. Even the disciples, even the disciples after they meet Jesus are going, we're still confused. But Jesus comes alongside of them and he's involved in their journey. And, And here's what I would say to you. You may not understand why things have happened in your life. But you need to understand this. Jesus is with you every step of that way. God is at work in your life. God has been there the whole time. You go, well, no, no I, don't, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with it. No, no, you need to understand God has been there 
But like so many times, we don't see him. We don't, we don't acknowledge him at work. We don't know that he's at work. But he is trying to get our attention and he is trying to help us to understand him. That's why you see, what does Jesus do with these, with these guys as he's walking? He starts to explain the word of God. He starts to teach them. He starts to help them to understand why. Because again, in their world, it's like, why did God, why did Jesus suffer and die on a cross? He was supposed to, he was supposed to fix everything. He didn't fix everything, he just complicated it all for us. And so often, isn't that how we feel? I mean, isn't that how we feel with stuff in life? It's like, you know, it just got so complicated, it's just so hard, and I don't understand why. And, and Jesus comes alongside these guys to help them understand, I want a relationship with you. Second idea, and this is the other thing with it, and I, I think this is for us as, as Christians, is this idea that not only does he want a relationship with us, but he's not going to force himself into our lives. But if we ask, he'll join us. That's the crazy thing to me. The crazy thing to me is that we get the impression from the story that Jesus was with them and Jesus was willing to spend the night with them. Jesus is willing to spend time with them. But if they didn't want him, he wasn't going to just keep pushing his wealth into their lives. He's there and they, and they say, will you come with And he's like, okay, I will. I will. As long as you're alive, I believe Revelation teaches the idea that God continually knocks on the door of your heart. As long as you're alive, I believe that God is doing everything he can to reach you to have that relationship with you. But you need to understand the Bible's really clear. There comes a point that you take your last breath. That was your last chance. It's the reality of it. You go, I don't like that part of the Bible. I don't like it either. But that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. The reality of it is every day that we live, the grace of God is shown to us to put our faith and trust in Him. And that's an incredible thing, that He loves us that much. And He's going to continually invite you all day long to be a part of it. To, be a, to, to invite, let, you, let Him come into your life. But you're the one that's got to make the call. And like I say, these guys just simply say, hey, will you spend more time with us? And He goes, sure. Because that's what he's all about. He's all about the relationship. And in this setting, what happens? When they invite him in, and when they start to all of a sudden see who he is, what happened? Their eyes are open. What happened to their discouragement? What happened to their hopelessness? See, it all changed. Everything changed. So much so that it's like, we don't even need to sleep now. We're going back to Jerusalem and telling people about that. And that's the last part of the story. What do they do? They go and tell their story. They are willing to go back to the disciples and say, i got to tell you what happened. This is what happened. Ultimately, ultimately, I think that's God's goal for every one of us here. Is to get to the point that we tell our story. And I get, some of you, you're not ready to tell your story. I, I get that. I get that that's a process. But ultimately, isn't that the reason God allows things into our lives? Isn't that the reason that, that we have these experiences so that we can then come alongside and share our stories with other people to give them encouragement and hope and to, and, and to help them through what they're going through? Isn't that ultimately what God wants to do with us? Kind of like my illustration last week. 
I mean, if the goal was just to go to heaven, then the balloon would go straight up. But God has us dwell down here so other people can see Christ in us. And I, I just want to challenge you with that because everyone here has a story. And believe it or not, your story will help other people. But sometimes we just get so self-conscious. I mean, last night, you know, my wife and I had the opportunity to sit down with some of the other couples that we were at dinner with. And we got to tell them our story. We got to tell them about when our marriage wasn't so good. We got to tell them about some of the struggles that we went through and how people with their stories helped us. And we got to share our story with them to encourage them so that they realized, you know what? Um, You know, maybe I can get through it too. Because that's what God wants to do with all of it. That's why God puts you in the workplace he's got you in tomorrow. Because you have a story. And that story can help other people. And I understand, if you're not willing to tell your story, I get that. Believe me, it took me a long time before I worked through the ability to tell my story. Because, I mean, you know, I mean, after all, pastors aren't supposed to have marriage problems. It's like, well, I started to realize, well, you give me a pastor that doesn't have marriage problems, then he's lying. (laughs) I mean, you know, because we're human beings who are all geared towards selfishness, and that selfishness is something we all fight. And in your marriage, believe me, you get to the point that you get get to be selfish. And that's something you constantly fight, is trying to serve my spouse instead of myself. And so, you know, there's that that continual struggle in, in, in marriage. And it took me a long time to be able to share that story. That, you know, look, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm convinced, 25 years ago, had I not made the decision I made, my wife and I would have been divorced in three years. Um, you know, and, and I'm not proud of my story, but I was a workaholic with a capital W. And, you know, for some of you who don't know my story, I mean, it got to the point, and I mean, this, this will put my wife at sainthood status in your mind, and it should. But I was a youth pastor. Things were going well. Um, youth group was going well. Everything was everything ministry-wise in the youth group was, was was doing phenomenal. And I was working crazy hours. Um, and my wife knew we were. My wife knew we needed to talk. And she came into my office one day and she said, "You know, we just need to sit down and talk." I handed her my appointment book and I said, "If you can schedule 15 minutes at church." Now, some of you women are going, I know what I would have done. (laughs) But fortunately, my wife was a godly woman (laughs) who showed me a tremendous amount of grace, and she put it on my desk, put my appointment book on my desk, and turned around and walked out of my office. And she continued to pray for me. And I was in a situation where I was working on a I was working on a master's degree. One of my classes was in counseling. And in the, in the paper that I was writing for that class, one of the things was they wanted us to look at our own lives and pretend that we were the counselee walking into the, a counselor's office. And I proposed in that project that I was going to look at my life. You looked at three areas. You looked at your personal life, you looked at your professional life, and you looked at your family life. 
And for my project, I blocked out every, I, I put in, in my world, I put every 15 minutes of an entire month in one of those three categories. And I looked at the, and I called the professor and I said, uh, I've done the project, my data's wrong, can I have more time? And the next, next month that I recorded was even worse. And I still have the paper to this day. But I submitted the paper and said, if this person walked to my office, I'd tell them they had to leave their career. They had to go spend time with their family, get some priorities in order, and then they might be able to go back into the career field. Might. And I said, based on this, I need to get out of ministry. Now, when you're a pastor in a Bible program, at a Bible college, and you're suggesting that you leave that whole thing, Okay, you know, I thought, uh, you know, that's going to tank this assignment. And the professor called me, godly man, godly pastor up in, uh, up in uh, Minnesota uh, at the time. And he called me and he said, look, he said, uh, I get it. He said, uh, here's some suggestions. And he set up a whole series of things for me to do. And I walked into my senior pastor and resigned. And... In doing so, no one, no one understood what I was doing and why. They, I couldn't get into all of that. But the reality of it is, I had to make a lot of adjustments and put my family first. And I will say that was probably one of the hardest years of our lives. Um, it, was, it was. It was miserable. It was a lot of sleepless nights. It was a lot of really, really difficult time. When... One of, the, one of the suggestions the pastor gave me was he said, don't go more than three weeks without preaching somewhere. So I was continually finding new places to preach. And one of the places, believe it or not, that asked me if I would preach was here. And then we continued to get asked and we continued to come out here and preach. And there came a point at which they said, look, we... They said, we're not ready for a full-time pastor. We don't even know if we want a full-time pastor, but would you do it on a part-time basis for, for a year? Let's do a year thing and see how it goes. I'll never forget, I sat down with him and I said, okay, I said, you guys, but, I said but before we do this, you need to understand, um, there's a problem here, and as a pastor, you need to know, I have a tendency to put ministry in front of family. And I said, so if you think you're getting somebody who has it all together, you need to know you're getting somebody who's broken, who's trying to fix it. And they're like, we're okay with that. We're okay with that. And I said, well, I'm going to need people to help me make sure I don't go down that road again. And I'll never forget, it was probably about, we've probably been here five, six years, something like that. Um, I don't even know if it was that long. Um, Earl and Liz said, uh, hey, let's go out to eat one day. (laughs) <laughs> we went out to eat. And they sat us down and said, you know we love you, right? I said, yeah, I know you love me. They said, you're doing it again. I said, what do you mean I'm doing it again? They said, you're putting the ministry in front of your family. Stop it. And they did it nicer than that. But, um, you know, they said, we don't want to see you go down that road again. And it was that and the marriage conference and a whole bunch of other things that came into our world to help us shape that area of our life. That's part of my story. Is it part of my story that I'm excited about? No. Is it a part of my story that I'd love to bury? Yes. But is it a part of my story that I tell 
to help other people? Yes. And it took me a long time to get to the point that I could tell that story. I mean, for me, honestly, it was probably 15 years before I was willing to say and start telling people that story. And I, I was a pastor. You know, I mean, you know, it's not something that you, you like to share. It's just, even to this day, it's uncomfortable for me to share. But the reality of it is, it's part of my story. And if my story can help somebody else, then let God use my story. And, and, and I just want to challenge you with this, because I think we're at a point in Christianity that we're just afraid to share a story. I, I don't share my story so that you... I mean, first of all, you ought to think that my wife is a saint for putting up with all that stuff. But the reality of it is, I, I know that marriages struggle. And I know that in a rural community, workaholic guys, I get you. Been there. Done that. Can go there very easily. Because I had a dad who did that. That's what I learned. But hopefully, I can help break the cycle, at least for me. And what I see in my kids from time to time, since they're both not here, I can say this, is I start to see some of the things that unfortunately they learned from me that I have to step back and go, hey guys, you know, hey guys, you know. And I I just want to challenge this morning because I think one of the things that we forget, the pain, the hurt, the difficulty, all of those things that we've gone through are part of our story. And the ultimate goal is for God to use my story to impact at least one other life. If it impact, weren't that great? Um, It's so that people can see what God did in my story. Because it was all God, believe me, it was all God. There's nothing in me that wanted to go down those roads. I didn't know how to go down those roads. But it was the deal where I had to say, God, help me. And that became part of it. So... I, I just want to challenge you as we, as, as we look at this story after the resurrection. Understand, if you're not ready for the Christian thing, I get it. But here's what you need to understand. Jesus wants a relationship with you. And he's walking beside you and he's trying to get your attention. And until you take your last breath, he will continue to do that. But he's not going to force his way in. Secondly, for those of you who are discouraged. Things didn't go the way you thought they ought to play out. You need to understand there is hope. There is a time that is coming when it will all make sense. It might be on this side of the grave. It is probably on the other side of the grave where it will make sense. But you may have to wait till then. Um, But the reality of it is God's at work. Ultimately, he wants to use you and your story to help somebody else down the road. So I want to challenge you to maybe think through what your story is or to look for those opportunities when you have something and the opportunity to share with your life with somebody else that you can say, you know, you know and again, I'm not saying this is something you share with everybody. I'm a pastor, so a lot of my life is, is an open book anyway. But as you have opportunities to share to maybe help that person who has lost, who's discouraged, who's overwhelmed, who's ready to quit, throw in the towel, head a different direction. When you sit down and say, let me tell you about my story. Not a lot of people know this, but here's my story.
and let God use it. So I end this morning with this. We see a resurrected Christ interested in people in relationship. Jesus comes along people who are discouraged and troubled. When Jesus is asked to join you in your life, he willingly accepts the invitation to be a part of your world and your life. Our responsibility is to go and tell his story as part of our story. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Um, Lord, all of us have things we're not proud of. All of us have things that, Lord, we will go to our grave and never share. And that's okay. But, Lord, most of us here this morning have you as a big part of our story. And, Lord, we deal with people all day long who are overwhelmed and discouraged and and, want to quit. Lord, I ask that you would bring someone into our life this week that we could help. Someone that we could encourage. Someone that we could be able to point you to them. And that, Lord, they would understand that it is not us, but it is Christ in us that has allowed us to have the story we have. And, Lord, just as these guys were able to go back and use what they had seen and experienced to encourage a group of disciples who were discouraged, help us to do the same this week with our lives and our story. These things we ask in your name. Amen.